0: Hey everyone, Ariel Adams here, and Dave and Breton with a spending time podcast. Uh, before we talk about the most read blog to watch articles of 2018 and uh, my summary on a Morgan Stanley report, um, my rant right now, and David, I want you to tell me if you agree. Is watch industry? I'm really disappointed with you because I'm bored. You haven't released like anything of interest in months now. Like why do you think I do this? You think I do this so you don't release watches? Um, it's been far too long since there's been any watch that I really care too much about in a way that, like, I could wear it or that isn't a regurgitated other model or something like that. It's been it's been a really boring last couple of months, and I have to, like, get excited about stuff. I have to get excited about making my own watches at this point. That's that's what's happening. Anyways, David, that's what do you right. think? That's right.
1: First of all, hello, everyone. Well, second of all, I think the question here is why. Why the, uh, the we have witnessed the Watch News crawl to a halt when it comes to creativity. What do you think that is?
0: Uh, they stopped paying all the creative people.
1: Mm. Or they just fled the industry, technically. They would have think, been paid. Well, it's they like one happens pay. before the other. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's a bit of both, actually. If
0: you don't promote or have good career paths, it's kind of the same thing as not paying enough.
1: That's true. I guess that's true, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, all I've seen is countless creative people at brands in all different types of departments, including just product creation, feel un- unvalued, feel undermined, feel like they don't have any authority, feel like there's no career path. Basically, in general, being unhappy. Right. And bouncing around from one brand to another, or just leaving in general. This is a trend that I've seen happen many, many times over the years, and and the industry isn't getting enough of these people that are new into uh, into into the industry. And so this is a problem. This is a massive problem.
1: It is a big problem. I, I do
0: agree. What do you think is the sure. issue? No,
1: it's it's part of that, but part of it is also why you know why is it why is this why do the brands think that they can get away with it? And why are they getting away? I mean, if they were losing money on the hour, um, you know, with their stale inventory and their watches not selling and people not buying them because they are old and not exciting enough, they would react. But they, I guess the point where they feel um, motivated enough to do something about this has not yet come. They still get away with, with uh, really releasing these vintage-inspired BS watches and the new blue dial and so on and so forth. And as long as that keeps them in business, apparently um, they are not inclined to do anything about it.
0: I, uh, I guess the next few years we'll see if they uh, are going to be forced to do something about it.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the best articles and the uh, and this Morgan Stanley report, because once we get to the report, we will return to this I haven't this even
0: looked at this list yet. You know that?
1: So mm, I'm, su- okay. I'm going to be
0: surprised. So what was the criteria? Is this from traffic?
1: Honestly, yeah, I think it is. To,
0: uh, yeah, out, no, it is. It is. Mysterious. Mysterious. <clears throat> I wonder if any of my articles are in here. Do you think some of yours are?
1: Let's hope so. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, top ten watches to get nod from watch knobs in 2018. Um, I that's that's one of those listicle ones. You know, people love these. I, we like to do them, but they're such hard work. I wish these were easier to do. Like these don't get the intellectual respect that they deserve.
1: Right. So well, there are many different types of, of, of list articles, and some of them are just garbage. Um, what people have to know is that we do put a lot of effort in and internal discussion into coming up with uh, the participants. Well, we do business. that
0: with everything we do.
1: Uh, the, yeah, of course, but I'm just saying that this also applies to, to but, this But article. this
0: also makes it clear that people right now are interested in affordable watches. I mean, we have other lists, and this one is specifically about watches that are you know, touted as being a uh, less expensive or higher value. So, um, people yeah. like watches, but people don't want to spend that much right now. That's interesting information. Uh, what do we got here? Um, okay, uh, this is mine. Why some watches from Rolex, Patek Philippe, and others are impossible to find at retail. So, the first one is top 10 affordable watches. that get a nod from snobs in 2018 and the next one here is about the difficulty to find conservative watches that sell uh... for have a good resale value and that's and we're talking about low low supply high demand speculation speculation uh... people having a serious refocus on or focus on resale value that doesn't necessarily make sense in a watch buying experience but this article apparently you know what was told to me made this much more of a topic of conversation. Did you notice that other people were referencing this conversation that we did?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, this was on the lips of the nation in in more than a few ways. Uh, People were were trying to figure out why is this. And you did a fair bit of research and you shared a lot of uh, background and behind the scenes information here in this article and a lot of good analysis that would help people understand why this might be happening. And also, there's a really great, really solid discussion in the in the comments section here, with a lot of pros and cons, and and, and good ideas, and some bad ones, but a lot of good ones. Uh, with regard to yeah, this to, this know, why article this had
0: had a very robust discussion. I'm looking at the uh, the article about why it's a long title. Why some watches from Rolex, Patek Philippe, and others are impossible to find at retail. Uh, a lot of our photography. Oh, a lot of my shots yeah. here. I like that. We do have good photography. I wonder what like what value of photography is going to have a hundred years from now. When people are going to be like, what did luxury watches actually look like? I mean, like our photography is a very good exemplar of what this stuff actually looked like. Two hundred forty-two comments.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of comments.
0: That's a, that's a fair amount. A lot of long comments here. Well, that's a that's a really robust discussion. Well, I'm glad that. So that's- let, me, let me
1: let me ask you a question because I think this was not in the in the article. It was not answered in the article, but I think people would want to hear uh, your take on this. Would you want to own any of these watches right now? Are they on their on your list? Of, you know that you know like on your shopping list or watches to get list like the Pepsi or the Nautilus or some of this stuff and does it affect you personally that you cannot get these watches uh, or, or you just don't care and you, you, you advise people to look elsewhere? Uh, that's,
0: a good, that's a good question. You know, as a consumer, and I am a consumer, right now in my life I'm looking for a lot of value. What does that mean? Um, I want a cool watch. I mean, I have to have a cool watch. My tastes are high, but <clears throat> I don't really want to spend more than I need to because <clears throat> I don't have a lot to spend on watches right now at this point in my life. But I still you know need to get good ones. so I can spend you know a few thousand here or there. And I know by going around the world that in certain circumstances, your money can go really, really far in a good watch. So there are yeah. a lot there are instances where there's watches I want that I can't get, which, un- which is unfair. There are certain uh, Rolex models that were not particularly popular, that I wanted to have one of the pieces of. And now those watches, just because the overall Rolex inflated economy, are now very expensive and I can't get them. Um, mm. The Pepsi you refuse great...
1: to get them, even if you could afford them, yeah. you wouldn't get them because you were like, no, I'm, there's no way I'm gonna pay this 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 amount of money for this watch.
0: I think the all steel new GMT Master Two with the so called Pepsi bezel is a fantastic mm. watch, and yeah. it's you know as much as you can say fairly priced for you know about nine thousand five hundred bucks. At twenty thousand yeah. dollars, eighteen or whatever they're it's trading it. No, what are you stupid? That's like. Don't, there's yeah. so many other watches you can you can buy at that price point. I mean, it's not even eight, funny. Eighteen thousand bucks, you can get like a legitimately nice, solid gold, solid gold bracelet, awesome, kick-ass watch.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And also, like for example, like you can get like if you really want, you can just you just get up to like a higher tier in watchmaking. You can get like a a Breguet tradition you know in a gold case with all those gears and stuff exposed and of course the Rolex is a great watch but it's a great watch under 10 grand it's one of the best watches under 10 grand it's in a very different league and it's playing in a very different league uh when when it's just below 20,000 that's totally different league of watches right there
0: yeah i mean this this watch here on the screen which is the uh the role <laughs> the Daytona with the ceramic bezel and just you know, it's a Daytona with a ceramic bezel. It's not worth double the price of
1: with a twenty-year-old movement. You know, so it's like <laughs> a, it's 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 a it's an amazing movement. It's an amazing watch for eleven grand, maybe twelve, but not twenty. Again, it, it, yeah. Rolex has set its prices accordingly, and and they are not not dumb. But then again, somehow this and of course it's a topic of the of another discussion. The situation. I mean, what uh, what
0: is it? What is someone's idea? <laughs> They're gonna buy this watch, yeah. And they're gonna it's and they're gonna keep it so they can make another highly conservative purchase after that and like overspend. Like, what is the what is the collecting trajectory here? Like, where's the value?
1: The value is in that it's desirable. People don't necessarily just simply want it just because it's a it's a conservative thing. No, they want it because they wanna fling the watch that everybody wants, and they they have it. I still love it, this
0: Nautilus. On the screen, which is the the 40th anniversary one, that's yeah. bigger and in platinum with the diamond hour markers. Oh
1: man, those the, the yeah the, that's pretty dope. I would still rather get a Date 840 with in platinum with the with the same basically the same dial, <laughs> because Rolex has the baguette diamond R markers. Well, the markers Rolex too. would
0: be like half the price for sure.
1: I would much rather support Rolex than Patek, but that's just me. No, no, um, I,
0: I, again, it's, for me, it wasn't a competition. For me, it's like, would I have this or the 5711? I'm like, I'd rather have this one. This was the 5711 1P, which is it's just insane.
1: It's a boss yeah. watch. It's it's a kick-ass watch.
0: I like, like it I it's bigger, too. It's bigger, too. And it, you don't expect it to be platinum. You're like, well, what the hell. <laughs> <laughs> and the diamond um, hour markers. Just for fun, I'm
1: looking at the Breguet Perpetual Calendar. 3050 and 18 carat yellow gold with a beautiful guilloche now, dial. We, we, got, and we, and we literally
0: got to article number two out of ten. This is terrible.
1: Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Um, <laughs> saying, article I'm number finished. three,
0: which Rolex to buy, the Submariner versus the Explorer 2 watch comparison review. I That's Bilal's I'm article.
1: This. I, I, I was going to say it was just a good example that you can get like a solid gold watch with one of the most coveted you know, and most complex um, complications for less than a Pepsi.
0: How, GMP so how, mu- how much was that, Breguet?
1: Like eighteen thousand. It's used, but you know, oh, a no. lot of these Pepsi, whatever. We is like a
0: uses. little patina in our life, huh? A little patina. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is a this is about Rolex watches, and these are two available models, and people want to decide because they're actually not too different in price. So I understand right. that. This is your article. This is hands-on with the Casio G-Shock GMW-B5000D1, with sexy name, full metal on the bracelet. Which they just—they this has been interesting. So this is very interesting story. This watch has been a very big popular seller in 2018. Sold out everywhere I've been. I had an opportunity to buy one at a store. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to let one of the customers get it because, like, you know, I have connections. Casio has still not been able to deliver hours. Um, this has so, been – so even in this economy, Casio G-Shock is also in its own Rolexy way a safe bet.
1: It's a poor man's ceramic Daytona. <laughs> well,
0: uh, yeah, I guess in a way it is. In a way it, it is. It exactly is, yeah. This is a fantastically cool G-Shock. It's – right. It's it's finally sexy in a way that a plastic watch has never been able to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, what are they like? I think eight hundred dollars or something like that.
1: No, they're. I think they're a bit more.
0: Really? Okay. So no, they're, no, they're, no.
1: Maybe. Sorry. No, they are about that. They they are about that. At at, at, at
0: Like this know, is at, not a cheap uh, watch. I mean, when I think G-Shock, I'm like, oh, it's about two hundred bucks, maybe. You know, this is several times that. Hmm. But it's a very, it's a very cool watch. Um, it has, you know, solar in there, it has Bluetooth. It's like a very advanced G-Shock, so it's not like your, it's, it's literally not your high school G-Shock, if you know what I mean. But, mm-hmm. um, so this watch, this has been a popular article with a very popular watch, and you know, good job Casio. Uh, confessions yeah. of a serial replica $500, watch.
1: $500, actually. It's 500 Oh, 500, $500. okay, that's pretty, yeah.
0: that's pretty cheap. So, confessions mm-hmm. of serial replica watch buyers. Um, this was an interview article that I I I had someone do with some people. I had someone interview some buyers and I put this together. I kind of like was the director of this article. Um this had I want I want to see how many comments this one had. I think it was a lot cuz this article is yeah, it's Chris Malberg. I don't remember this guy. This is from 2017 mm-hmm. and there was like such a fight in the comments, and, and oh, remember, yeah. I've written on Forbes, for example, about I think it was like the truth about fake watches or something like that. Because a lot right. of people legitimately didn't realize, like, oh, they're not like the real thing, and they didn't understand the industry. <clears throat> and there was all these people that were like hating on me for calling fake watches bad, which, which they are. Which they are. So this one, okay, 177 comments. Yeah, and it's like this fascinating look into some of the reasons why people like these products and how they justify them and how they've gotten better and you know even I mean, these are all illegal it's
1: garbage all of it is garbage
0: so here's all of it. but here's the interesting thing this is the interesting thing and I think that you'll agree these companies are smart but very strange in a very like perverse fashion the idea is essentially this. If you are so good as to try to replicate a $10,000 watch in a like $200 or $300 or less price point, why don't you just do all that same effort but into a watch that you are not ripping off the name? And they're like
1: because the point is ripping off the name. They they, they capitalize on the name.
0: I understand. But they're doing it from a strict economic perspective because they think in the sort of the short term it'll make them more money. It's a short term yeah. outlook. It's all about maximizing profit. There's it's such a direct and purist like look at business. It's literally making mm-hmm. a value judgment. They're like, Well, if yeah. we get caught, we'll just move our operation elsewhere. But what they actually managed to do from a replication and manufacturing standpoint is phenomenal.
1: Sometimes, yeah.
0: Well, what I'm saying is just think about the, the price-to-value ratio here. These aren't even high production.
1: So sometimes what they do is they end up, um, you know, they, they stop making these fake watches and become a supplier to the Swiss watch industry. Well,
0: a lot of them are suppliers to the Swiss watch industry. Yes. So that's where a lot of these parts are coming from. Yes. Anyways, I just think it's very interesting. Okay. Uh, number six is Omega Seamaster Diver 300M steel watches for 2018 hands-on. Um... Who wrote this one? This was probably at Baselworld and it's so weird to think that this year in 2019 Omega like the rest of Swatch Group will not be at Baselworld. That sounds strange to you? It sounds, you know, it definitely <laughs> sounds strange. Um, I wish
1: Baselworld well and I really want Baselworld 2019 to, to be amazing and 2020 to be even better. But 2018 and 2017 and 2016 have been absolutely just freaking horrible in terms of, you know, from an organization standpoint. And if Swatch Group had not pulled out, it would have been exactly the same 2019 all over, you know? It needed to happen for it to just show some effort and and try and, and improve, you know? So I'm not shocked at all. I'm actually happy about it. I wish them well. But this needed to happen for some people to let to be let go from the organizers, and for them to start caring about what we are saying, what the brands are saying, what the global audience is saying.
0: I I mean, I think I think everyone here has a point. There's like no one's innocent here. Like there's all kinds of serious issues with the trade show that need to be addressed. And and yes. I agree, I agree. I'm just saying, <clears throat> the next couple years for us as media is going to be very challenging because how to address these shows is going to be like a moving target. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, so the Omega Seamaster Diver 300M steel. And I guess there's it comes in other materials as, as well. Very cool watch. I've been reviewing one, the sort of all steel one with the black dial. I mean, this is a design from 1993. They modernized it a little bit, gave it a much more modern movement, of course. Um, it is their, what do they call it now, the master chronometer that has meta certification, all this cool stuff. Um, yeah. not everyone really likes this watch, and I I vacillate. I actually sometimes feel that the weakest link in this watch, and mm-hmm. it's been updated, but it's still kind of the same. It's the bracelet. Like, I'm ready for this watch to have a different bracelet. Yeah, and I think
1: I, I you know years ago I I always just rolled my eyes when people were like you know freaking out over one millimeter you know size difference here and there. But this watch grew by one or two millimeters, and I think it's uh, it's not for the better of it. it it really looks bloated in this larger size. The dial somehow it, it grew in all the wrong places. It has like a, a narrow dial with with regards to where the indices are, and then the bezel is way outside, and then this minute track on the on the periphery. It just the proportions are gone. Not completely destroyed, but it's pretty bad. The, the previous version had, a, had much, much nicer pro, uh, proportions, in my opinion.
0: Well, if we know Omega, they will continue to be tweaking this watch for the next several years. I mean, they, Forever. they will. They, <laughs> we like that they do that. So this yeah. is just year one, but this was one of the most popular articles. Okay. Moving on. Ah, um, oh, a Rolex, the Oyster wow, Perpetual 39. Rolex. So these were not new introductions as models but new dial colors with a black dial and the white dial on the Oyster Perpetual 39. Yeah. I just thought these were like it's basically their new entry level model about 5500 bucks. If I want if it's... I want a difficult to get Rolex and it's not there, I'd just get one of these.
1: Um yeah, it's 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 pretty much like every other steel Rolex ever. You know, sometimes it's it's the most amazing watch and on some days it's the most boring watch ever. This is. I don't think but this it is the watch that fits
0: everywhere. Like no one's gonna be like, yes. what? What?
1: Yeah, that's precisely why, because it, it's so general. You, t- you and your
0: boring Rolex, get out of here! Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, it's a great go anywhere watch. Uh, yeah. I like this but... one.
0: When I saw this one, I thought it was handsome. Um, I don't know that yeah. I wear it every day, but I think in a lot yeah. of circumstances, a watch like this would go great. I I haven't seen that many in a while. I saw a few actually, um, but I haven't People seen just... them in stores
1: people just pay a few hundred bucks extra and, and they get like an all steel date just or something like that, you know. That, just for the look. Yeah, um, you know with the steel bezel, it's not that much more expensive. Yeah. Uh it's a little bit larger and they can say, oh, you, you know, this is the Rolex with the with the date. Um, you know. Yeah. And yeah. this one has the old movement.
0: Yes, it does not have the new sexy movements. But again, but it's 5500 bucks brand new if you can find it. Next uh, uh the next article is the Orient Bambino Small Seconds SS review. Mm-hmm. Uh this watch was about 300 bucks. So that's more than the Bambino used to be, but like it's so much better watch now. It's got like a like a modern movement and it looks decent. This watch um I think you know like the other Bambinos is is going to keep going. It's not as clean and simple cuz it's got subsidiary second style. But I and think that state. Yeah, oh. but I think that if you just are getting into watches, yeah, this is a great watch. This is so this is so awesome. Like there's so much for your money here. And so mm-hmm. I'm glad that there's people getting into watches when an article like this is popular. It tells me there's a bunch of people just getting into the hobby. Cuz <clears throat> you and I can appreciate it, but we're like, well, we're kind of beyond this good point but people are buying this watch and they're you know people are getting into the hobby which is I I mean I've always known it's happening Um, what how I'm trying to think like how long ago were, were would you have been a good Orient you know wearer
1: like six years ago six or seven years ago I think
0: I'm, my first Orient so, was their diver the 300 meter diver their saturation diver which I, I love that watch that was the coolest I've, one ever
1: yeah, yeah, that's, that's a pretty cool watch. And it's also a great gift. Like, if you know, like, if you have a family member or whatever who's getting into watches, you can just get them an, a bump, you know, maybe not the $300 watch, uh, but maybe, maybe just, you know, one that costs half as much. And it's such a great start. You know, you, you get a lot of the feel and, and a lot of the, you know, the vibe that, uh, you know, a mechanical watch uh, has. So, that yeah, that's great. By contrast, here's the Patek <laughs> Yeah, this is like Rolex,
0: 100%. Patek, cheap watches... It's this is so weird. Omega like Omega like it's int- very interesting assortment. Like predictable but interesting to see. <clears throat> okay, so my review of the uh the fifty-seven eleven. This is the Patek Philippe Nodless fifty seven eleven. This is the blue dial steel. The watch so that is trading. Sentence,
1: how did you feel bearing this watch? I'm not provoking any type of response. Just 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 let us know how it made you feel to wear such a coveted watch. Um, you know, it for thirty I, and I, it actually sells for
0: fifty. Yeah, I mean this watch it jumped up in price like four thousand bucks or more. So it it more, more very recently was about twenty five thousand bucks and people thought it was a and lot was and 30. then just boom it's thirty and it's trading for over fifty. Mm. Um you know, I think one of the things that I, I, I thought about a lot when I wore this watch was how great it is to have a thin sports watch. You know, people f- sometimes forget that the Nautilus and the Royal Oak are very thin watches. And, and the Laureato. Yeah, and, and they're great. The, it feels so nice to have sort of like a sports watch, which is thin. I don't know that yeah. I need a watch that thin all the time, but they're really comfortable on the wrist. And they're more like jewelry. The way the cases are finished is more like jewelry than sort of a traditional watch. So a lot of the price is in the fact that all these pieces need to be polished the right way and, and stuff like that. So I so get, how does I, it make
1: you feel? Apart from
0: appreciation, <coughs> I mean, you it feel was okay. Special
1: about it or whatever?
0: No, it was fine. I mean, it's it's a good product. I mean, look, I have a number in my mind of what I think this watch is worth. Like, if I was like pricing watches and someone said, like, okay, look at the movement, look at the quality, da 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 da, you know, what do you think you should charge? And I take into consideration Rolex pricing and all 25. you know, Seiko and things like that. And and my for me the the retail price that i think this watch is worth given sort of the inherent value is not yeah. what the current retail price is it would be less i'm not so saying how much? Per- well you know that's it's a it's a personal thing it's 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 less um you know i am not saying it's cheap i'm not i don't i don't think this should be like the same price as like a submariner i think you can charge more no. for it but i wouldn't yeah. say stratospherically more
1: I, I, I would be you know if if I was looking for a new watch and I and I wanted to get myself something nice in steel with a lot of like a lot of extra hand um, polishing and hand finishing and all that beyond, you know, what Rolex offers and, and exhibits, you know, in steel. I would I would love to be able to consider this Nautilus. And if if it wasn't associated with all the schmucks in the world wearing it, I'm sorry. And if it didn't cost fifty thousand, but if it cost twenty, it was a on lot. Radar. Sh-
0: there's a lot of schmucks out there that feel very hurt right now. I'm just want to know that.
1: That's great. Well, they identified themselves by wearing this watch <laughs> and paying fifty grand for it. Um,
0: That's I don't think anyone should pay fifty grand for this watch. I think if you can't get it, then yeah. find something else. I mean, somebody showed me an official email from Patek Philippe mm. that confirmed their placement on a waitlist. And estimated the wait time was 8 to 12 years for their 5711. There's an 8 to 12 year official wait just to have the privilege of buying this watch at retail price.
1: 8 years? 8 to 12. Oh, my God. uh, You never actually own a Patek because we don't sell it to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, (laughs) I believe that Patek Philippe has that. If they didn't, it's a great marketing trick. I mean... It's a love. It's a lovely watch. I. I. It's. It's fine. It's not. It's not worth waiting 12 years. I mean, there's so many watches you can wear in the meantime. Oh my God. You know, wear friends for a weekend, and you know, call it a day. Yeah, exactly. And then go to your go to a watch store within you know 50 mile driving distance, and have like a bazillion other options for way less.
1: I think it's a good idea to put your name on the list and then just get on with your life and then make sure you constantly up- update your contact information at Patek <laughs> so that they can reach out. And eight I'm, years from now, you can buy it.
0: I mean, I've seen a lot of watches. I know good stuff, and I just I know quality. And, like, you know, you know eight,
1: $29,800. We should all sign up
0: because we could feasibly – just start a piggy bank
1: and <laughs> just keep putting change in it <laughs> in 12 years. There's a really good chance. I mean, the mo- The movement's
0: great. A- the movement is old technology, but it looks fantastic. I want to go
1: to a boutique with, like, just, just just coins. Like, hey, guys, you made him <laughs> wait 12 years. so 190
0: here's, like, comments. Wow. You can
1: have, like, 12 hours counting okay. these dimes and,
0: <laughs> and okay. quarters and stuff. And finally, the planet Ocean Brilliant. the full story of Omega's iconic modern dive watch article by Bilal that this is a this is a big one as well okay. um well, I mean look, this is some of our highest quality content. there's no big surprises here um we are our most popular content is some of our best content I think that's i guess great you know no surprises, yeah. Now, now on to the the topic of uh, Morgan Stanley. So uh, you read this report. What? Why did you think that Morgan Stanley took the time to put this together?
1: I guess someone assigned him to do it.
0: Well, yes, thank you. But I mean, like, what, <laughs> what was the their reason, reason to study the Swiss watch industry right now? Like, why was this worth their analysts' time?
1: Um... Again, I I, I struggle to associate any any inherent internal drive that Morgan Stanley had, you know. So <laughs> I struggle to see anything beyond it was assigned to them, and this also shows in the in the in the uh, you know, in the uh, points that they were making, which you criticize uh, in some parts of the article, right? You weren't entirely happy with all their all their uh, points that they made.
0: They rushed a few things, but I mean, <laughs> these people do a lot, and. You know, For what it's worth, this is a very intensive report, and I think it's it's among the better ones. I've seen so many poor reports by prestigious companies or companies I've never heard of um, on information re- related to the watch industry, and some of them are awful. This is really among the better ones, and the level of nitpickery I got into was because I had so much respect for it. But yeah. there are things that it didn't quite get right or it had answers uh, that it needed in there because it it, it, it there was p- questions it needed to post for example why the watch industry has continued to produce so much extra inventory long after they should have found out about it. like it proposes a mechanism called the bull bullwhip, uh, bullwhip effect which mm-hmm. says that uh, perceived demand can amplify production beyond actual demand so right. there can cre- it can create this like this ballooning effect where the supply chain makes more than the market actually wants, and because of that, the watch industry produced too many products. And that may be true, but that sort of is a very innocent phenomenon. We're like, oh, well, pe- this is just happening, you know, despite people's best interests. They they failed to to say that it was being done on purpose and why, and that it was a problem in the management system and the incentive system and things like that. And that's where I had to talk a lot about it because I have been saying for a long time, one of the biggest problems in the watch industry is a failure for the watch industry to create or attract and, and actually keep good managers. I mean, you and I, just between the years we've been doing this, I mean, how many less than well qualified or or, or effective managers, CEOs, directors, head of whatever of brands have, have we seen? I mean, would you say it's a high number? Uh, yeah well
1: <laughs> it's I, I, yeah I don't think it's as simple as the bullwhip effect and it's not as simple as, as good managers. Um, what I wanted to say is that you know just just for one more second to, re- to react to you know what Rolex is doing and all this you know supply that is held back. if you mirrored this image, this would exactly be like the reverse bullwhip effect that Rolex is doing. There's a huge amount of customer demand, and they they are not, and they you know they, they are really super scared of ever meeting it because once you know the second the demand goes away, um, you know, and you're still pumping out the machines are still working, you're still delivering watches to the market. Inevitably, those watches, at least some of them, will end up being discounted, and the moment they get discounted, um, you know your your brand or a collection or something like that gets you know screwed like okay, totally. so let
0: me let me say what I think. I believe that there are people at Rolex that are like, "Hey, everyone, why shouldn't we just make some more watches right now?" Yeah. And there's probably a group of people inside of Rolex that want this, and a group of people say, uh, "This is unprecedented. We don't know what to do," and another group of people that just don't care. And the problem at Rolex is to get things done, I believe that they need to have a large consensus among uh, individuals. And that takes time. So what that means is that this effect of this high demand needs to happen for like several more years before everyone's like, you know what, maybe we should do something about this.
1: But the question is, how do you do something about it? Rolex has an extremely well-controlled, now finally, well-controlled distribution system where you're, you know, one strike and you're out. So if, if, if any retailer is caught selling a piece at a gray market or something like that, they are out of the Rolex distribution well, well, hold on, system hold on. immediately.
0: I think the answer would be, hey, people want a lot of Submariners. Well, do you ever think about making more Submariners? You certainly can. Steel isn't exactly a precious commodity. at least not yet.
1: It's not about it's not about having the having the steel. It's about being afraid of making too many and then ending up, you know, with an oversupply. It's a, it, they are overdoing this. I, I completely agree. But they're just super careful about not you know doing like anything that would uh, end I up with oversupply. But I'm
0: just saying, in in many other types of industries, mm. they would be like, the market wants more. Can we make more? Let's but go. But they're do not that.
1: luxury products. You cannot name one more luxury product, in my opinion.
0: I'm not not disagreeing with Rolex. I'm simply saying that Rolex internally definitely has people, I'm sure, who are saying, guys, why don't we make more steel watches? But there's other reasons than just making money to make more steel watches. If demand, Yeah, they are upsetting a lot of people. Exactly. And it's not like Rolex is actually withholding. They're not like sitting there with a giant supply. They're making the same amount that we're planning on making from the beginning. They, they want most of the rolexes out there to be uh, two-tone steel and gold. They want that to be the reflection of what the rolex lifestyle is. The professional ones are there to maintain the legacy that they created for the last, you know, m- many years. generations yeah. of being involved in sports and adventure and science, and that's all great. They do that very well. They can't lose yeah. that. It's 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 essential for the branding. You think you think these uh you know, these race car drivers and stuff like that are, are thinking about, you know, wearing their, uh, their day chest? No, they're thinking about wearing their sport watches. So yeah. that's a sex appeal that... I mean, again, uh, day chest is a great watch, but it's it's not where a lot of the sex appeal is. It's where a lot of the sales are.
1: They should... Yeah, the problem is that, you know, like, the day chest... A lot of the other watches that they make and that are readily available are more formal looking. You know that That's the problem. If people don't really go, they are not, not everyone is a president, you know, to be wearing a day date all the time. And not everyone can afford a day date to begin with. But Rolex but is just, just
0: like, we just want to be on the wrist of people who do look that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's easy to say when you make 10,000 watches, not when you make a million.
0: I, I'm just trying to sort of present an argument. Oh.
1: Oh, no, I'm not, I, I agree, I, and, and I agree with you. I'm just saying what what is it that... Um,
0: that so here's an know, interesting just... graph. Uh, the exhibit 13, watch and Richemont inventory days versus other retailers in 2017. Oh, I that's think, hilarious. So this is the amount of days that inventory was sitting before, I guess, the customer bought it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Swatch is the highest of this entire list at 720 days. Holy that's, crap. that's that's two several years. years. It was two years. How'd that happen? Richmont. Really is three hundred and seventy-nine.
1: I mean, something has to be skewing that that average big time. So, for example, if you look at Omega, there's another exhibit that that specifies this. Omega has eight hundred different SKUs, different model variations, eight hundred. So, technically, you're bound to have at least one or two hundred of those, at least. That are that spend years and years and years on the shelves, you know. So and and that really skews. Of course, you are going to have like a, a, some watches that sell really fast, but when you have hundreds that are not selling really fast, then wow, that's well. That's even if
0: we even if we don't understand these numbers correctly, let's let's compare them with some other companies here because we may be reading this wrong. But let's look at uh, so we said seven hundred twenty for Swatch, three hundred seventy nine for Richemont. Um, These companies are companies that I believe are in England. I don't know a lot of these companies. Here's the Watch Gallery, 152. So that's like (laughs) less than half of Richemont. H&M, 130. Which is not great. Not great. Uh, Tesco, I think that's like a supermarket chain, 17. Morrison's is the lowest. I'm not sure what that is. That's 15. Inditex,
1: for example, is 86. So that gives you like a pretty good idea. What is like what
0: is Inditex? What is
1: that? Inditex is is the, the the group that owns Zara and and a bunch of other fast fashion affordable brands. Okay. Um. So so fast fashion brands sells out you know sells a product in 86 days. So when it comes to that you know to have luxury watches in Richmond that sell in 376 about four times. More slowly, that's not too bad. 720 by, you know, in contrast, you know, with Swatch, two years, that's insane. Um, Well,
0: whatever it is, the numbers seem a lot higher for Swatch and Richemont versus these other companies here. Yeah. 720 is just wow. So the other part of this report was DTC, which stands for Direct to Consumer. And Morgan Stanley talks a lot about the effect that selling direct to consumer is going to have. On the watch industry, and it's more or less convinced that selling direct to consumer is going to be a big part of their strategy in the next several years. Uh, would you agree? Yes, I would, absolutely.
1: Um, not to the not to the exclusion of everything else, but but you know, not to the complete exclusion and annihilation of of the retail you know brick and mortar system. Um, and, and and other third party distributors, but yeah, it's it's going to happen. It's bound to happen. People love buying stuff from brands, and uh, online shopping is, is is you know getting bigger and bigger uh, every year. And the brands want to you know get as big a slice of that cake as possible.
0: So we interact with the brands a lot. How far away do we think they are from being able to do this successfully? Because let's face it, there's some things they're great at. There's some things they're terrible mm-hmm. at. They're great at making good watches. Uh, things like successfully like locating, communicating with, developing a relationship with, persuading, selling to, fulfilling customers online is something that I'm not sure they know how to do right now.
1: I think it's several years away. Even from, for, for the biggest brands to master it. At least two, three years for the biggest brands and the most dedicated brands to this process. And then it's another two, three, four, five years for the rest. Morgan what, what
0: you Morgan Stanley. Well, I'll say Morgan Stanley has no real opinion, other mm. than it's going to be very um, disruptive. They kept saying the word disruptive again yes. and again and yes. again in the report, sure. and disruptive means that there's going to be massive changes that are going to break things, and mm. Morgan Stanley has no other examples of other industries to look at, to draw wisdom from. It doesn't make any specific ideas about what's going to happen to companies it just makes it clear that they need to hold on steadily they also talk about the companies that are going to die so they make it clear that a lot of companies are going to die but they think that Swatch and Richemont and a few others that are well capitalized in other words have tons of money to to weather a big storm will will be able to survive but Morgan Stanley without saying so admits there's going to be a massive 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 consolidation but, and I want to say, and, and I think this is really worth you know discussing at this point, is the, the big group watch industry is getting smaller. There is an enormous level of space right now for what are being called micro brands or startup brands or things like that. That doesn't mean that there's less consumer interest. It's that their business models of profiting from watch sales and growing those businesses do not work right now.
1: Yeah. It's it's the consolidation and the big things happening and 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 the, and the the dependence on 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 being you know well capitalized. Um, I just just want to specify. I think that was mentioned with regards to buying unsold, buying back unsold inventory, and clearing up the market. Right.
0: It was discussed several times, but they said mm-hmm. that that the disruption from the period now to transitioning through whatever they need to transition through to sell direct to the consumer is going to be disruptive meaning a lot of people aren't going to survive it because it's it. it think about it. this requires brands transitioning their entire sales model it, they're, some of them are bound to not get it right and if they don't get it right long enough they'll run out of money
1: yeah which is sad
0: well good Good. <clears throat> if, the, if the watch industry has taught us anything it's that good brands live forever am I right so someone yeah, will always rescue them, okay? Like, even mm-hmm. if Omega went flop tomorrow, it'll be back in a few years, guaranteed.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's too valuable as a name. and. Uh, Good
0: brands live forever. They're like cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> um, They, you know, Morgan Stanley agreed with me that uh, the Swiss watch industry at the lower level uh, are being affected by smartwatches. And they're talking like a few hundred bucks, which I always said. Uh, they they don't seem to see, say that there's any effect at higher price points, which I agreed with. And they talk about how China is a economy that they need to start taking seriously. Good morning. Uh, well, <laughs> look, um, it's controversial when I say it, but they just sort of expected watches to be like really good gifts for China, mm. meaning like these watches are going to sell really great as gifts. But now they're like, oh, the grafting economy is over. The government regulations are really trying to push and stamp out that's doing business by gifting. So now it's going to be a consumer economy of people buying watches for themselves, which means they're not looking for the highest prices. They're looking for good values because Chinese consumers are obsessed with good value and finding great stuff, and they're very good at it.
1: Yeah, and they keep learning more and more. They are, the, the Chinese luxury watch consumer today is much, much more educated and much more experienced than it was 10 years ago or five years ago, Ethan. And that shows in which brands are doing, which brands were able to keep doing well there and which brands just died out, just died out from there. We, we, you know, It, it, it really shows. So which ones were just a passing fancy, and which ones are there, you know, to provide good enough value to maintain their good relationship with the with the Chinese customer?
0: What I admire about the Morgan Stanley report is that they got the best data they were able to get, which isn't much, and they were able to extrapolate a, a good amount of information from what they did. So yes. they did a good job. But look, they can't predict the future, and ultimately, yeah. this report is basically an outlook on an industry for investors so they can see what the next few years are like and if you're an investor looking at this it's not looking too rosy
1: it's not pretty yeah.
0: you know so what do you do Do you, you don't buy because you could go down much more do you sell mm. or do you hold
1: it depends when you purchase you know if you <laughs> if you want to get out and get into something else that looks more rosy then i guess if you put, bought in at a good time then share if not. Well, I I would just like to just time travel and skip the next 5 years if I were an investor in the watch industry.
0: Yeah, I look, I do not now nor have I ever held any investment position in any of the watch and watch, you know, groups. Um and I think it's a policy I have, which, you know, it's probably a good idea to have it. So it just it means I yes. can talk about this and never have to worry about it. But I uh I don't know if I was an investor, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I I want these companies to do well. I just don't think so they do, do well as as having Shareholders. I think the privately run one, pri- privately run companies, the ones that are run kind of like privately run companies, are the ones that end up doing the best, pleasing consumers the most consistently. And so those are the and companies are much we're champion
1: for. And they're much more relaxed. Look at the tech, look at Rolex, look at AP, how freaking laid back they are. It's incredible. It would, when it, in comparison to those in big groups and those uh, that are publicly owned.
0: Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, like, Chagere selling 110,000 units in 2017, they claim. I mean, I don't think that's true. (laughs) You know, maybe they tried, but, like, you know, even these numbers need to be taken with a grain of salt is what I'm saying.
1: What are you? Are you suggesting Cheshire is not selling three thousand watches every day, each day?
0: <laughs> well, just say it. It's seen a lot of <laughs> Cheshire's windows and things like that. Um, Longines claims to have sold one point nine million. That's oh, yeah. that's impressive. That's impressive. 1.9 million watches in 2017. Mind you, 2018 was an awful year and worse, so these numbers are probably all going to go down. Yeah.
1: It was not awful, but it was it was a low year. It was not as bad as it could have been, so who, I think.
0: So who has the most SKUs and the lowest sales? Let's see here. Because, like, Autumn <laughs> Piguet has 232 SKUs, which is a lot, 42,000 units for 2017. So that's not the lowest oh, here are
1: that's ridiculous most of
0: them are Royal Oaks that's correct okay. IWC by comparison has the lowest number of SKUs at 178 but they've and they've sold 190,000 so they have that's less SKUs but more units Jaeger says they have 184 SKUs which seems like way too much for All right.
1: would you agree that these are way too many SKUs does IWC need <laughs> 170 does Tag Heuer need
0: 553
1: Ridiculous. Oh my god. This card is six hundred and you know forty two. When you're buying one watch, at least some part, some some tiny amount in the purchase price is put towards maintaining this giant machine that and, and, and the and the storing and the managing of five hundred or four hundred or two hundred different watches. It's a huge cost factor every year for these brands. Tremendous cost. And when you're buying a watch, of course, it has to pay for all that. Part of it has to go towards that. It's, it just sounds dumb. 640 Cartiers. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. Rolex is 450. And I think, and, and of course, that. so what people have to understand is that this includes different dial variations and dial colors and so on. So when you have a Daytona and you can have 10 different dials on all the different m- materials that already add up like 60 or 70 different Daytonas just right there. Um, and they only come in four metals. So that, it's, it's just pretty weird. Um, but yeah, I think it's just too much. It's just far too many nice.
0: Every single time we, we talk to a new CEO that goes into a brand, the first thing they say is, I looked at the number of SKUs and they boggled my mind. We have to get rid of them. And then a few years later, all of a sudden, it's more. it's <laughs> like more SKUs. Because the more SKUs you have, the more possible types of watches you can sell to retailers. That's right,
1: but I, and I understand that, but at, at some point it has to be. I'm not saying it's a good
0: policy. I'm just saying the reason that SKUs get bloated is so that you can fill orders with a diverse set of watches and be like, oh, but you got to have all these dial colors. Mm. And then you can go to like a specific region and be like, we're going to save this dial just for you. Just for you. So okay. this is so this is interesting. So I mean, I I think that the unknowns are comfortable enough for me in the watch industry that that some of these things will sort themselves out, especially when it comes right. to direct to consumer. People want to buy watches. As long as there's demand, there'll be a market for it. And you know Richemont just bought uh, Watchfinder UK, and it bought you know it has Mister Porter and Netta Porter. You know, these are portals to consumer behavior online that if used properly by Richemont, can teach them a lot of very important things. So we are on a good trajectory towards watch sales, you know, luxury watch sales modernizing, but we're not there yet. And I think that we have several more years at least of being in a really uncomfortable uh, territory. I think the, the the big groups are gonna consolidate even more which is going to be problematic. I mean, you have to think about it. There's way too much ma- ma- of a manufacturing base. Yeah. And once things start hitting the economy in Switzerland, then it starts to get awkward.
1: Yeah, and nasty, which we don't want. I think that's a nice note to end on, um, right? Is there yeah. anything else we should add, I think? No, I think we could talk this about, is getting could talk about
0: boring uh, watch economic stuff all night long
1: yeah that's
0: true I love it now people love this stuff and you know what Um, yes thank you to everyone that when you see me uh, and you compliment the show I appreciate that it's a very strange format for us it's something that we've played with for years like I've done all kinds of podcasts and I still never quite think that I understand like how to do it right I still feel like I'm trying to look for the right avenue I enjoy it a lot but it's, it's interesting how it continues to mystify me from a creative standpoint
1: I guess we could say that if people have feedback, constructive feedback, they could just leave it in the comments. We would love to hear it.
0: Did you look at the comments? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. I'm glad someone is. You should too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everyone. Thank you so much. Happy New Year from myself and David, I'm sure, and the entire blog to watch team. Yep. And we will see you next time.
1: Thanks, everyone. Talk later.